Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Hey, everybody, we are in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, the words of Jesus. And he says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruits. They would produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is served uh, from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you, are, when you produce fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you, you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you of these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. I am glad to be with you this morning. We are talking about all I want for Christmas, right? All I want for Christmas is joy. That verse just told us how we can have joy. Go ahead and be seated, and we'll dive straight into the message. I hope you don't mind that I brought my my technology with me. I get, I don't know about you, but like, I mess up on pages. Like, I'm terrible. I'll like drop them or misplace them, you know, all that good stuff. I'm just a little crazy. Now, my name is Amy. I'm one of the pastors here, and my biggest fear is that's actually a bird, and it's going to come fly at me. (laughs) I'm just going to take a few deep breaths and and not worry about that. But if it does, I should also say that crazy things happen to me. They just do. One day I will tell you all the stories of the crazy things that happen to me. Um, But I do have a little story today about joy. Isn't it ironic that during the Christmas season, we struggle to find joy? Can we just talk about in the biggest area we we struggle to find joy in? Driving. If you live in Phoenix, you know what I'm talking about. These people are crazy. And if we're being honest, some of you all out there are driving crazy and it's a part of the problem. That's what I'm here to talk to you about this morning, how to drive correctly. Well, it can really rob your joy. And if I've been being honest, it has robbed my joy just recently, like last week. See, I pick my daughter up 
every day after school, um, Monday through Thursday. She doesn't have school on Friday. Isn't she lucky? So I go to pick her up on Thursday. I'm right on time. But you know where I'm going? I'm on the 101 as it turns into the I-17. Are you hearing me, people? So I'm driving. I'm not late. I'm totally early. But for whatever reason, it's just literal craziness on the freeway. And people are zooming by me. So then what do I do? I just speed up. I'm like, all right, well, if we got to get going, then we got to get going. And I can feel, I can feel it frustrate. You know, can I just confess? I know that it's not a race, but sometimes... I do not like to be left behind. And so I'm picking up the speed. And you know what? It's not a line either. But I'm like, if you cut me off, you got in front of me, you cut me in line. Anybody else feel that? It's like a real thing. So I'm not panicked, but I can feel it begin to rise inside of me. And no joke, I get cut off without a blinker five times in the span of two miles. Twice I had to slam on my brakes to try not to hit the person in front of me. Oh boy, you better believe, guys. I did honk twice and shook my head really hard. As if that does anything. But but let's be real. Like, I can feel the frustration building. And instead of slowing down, what do I do? I just keep speeding up. I just keep joining them. Well, I go, I get Jaden, I pull over. And, you know, instead of actually talking to her, what do I say? Like, oh, you won't believe the five people that cut me off. I'm just going on and on and on and on. And in my mind, I'm thinking one more person and they're going to get it. <laughs> right? So then here comes one more person. I... I get into the turning lane after picking up Jaden. The green light turns on. I'm turning left. And the girl, two lanes over, decides as the green light turns on and I'm moving forward that she is going to cut everyone off, including me. I almost hit her, literally slam on my brakes. And I'm like, this is it. She deserves a full hook all the way through the turn. This is my green light to let out all my aggression. I'm glad we're laughing about this. Um, I was really embarrassed after a couple days of thinking about this behavior and super glad that I actually didn't find out I knew this person. Although part of me wanted to pull over and be like, let's talk about your driving skills. That was illegal. You know? But still, you know, Jaden and I end up in an argument. It totally stole my joy. And boy, did I let it. And I, I don't know why we get there. Well, actually, I do. We're going to talk about it today. But I don't share this to highlight my behavior. I think often we're going to focus on our behavior and put shame on ourselves. What I'm talking about today is not behavior modification. Okay, this scripture we just talked about is abiding. Um, another word for that is remaining. You're going to see that interchangeable because the Greek word is the same for abiding and remaining. Um, I wasn't abiding, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> the only place I was abiding in that moment was my flesh. And I was gratifying the anger rising inside of me, and it did nothing for my relationship with my daughter, and it did nothing for me. And it's so crazy because, you know, afterwards I was like, oh, so frustrated and embarrassed. But at the same time, I'm realizing, you know, my soul was shriveling in that moment. And that's what happens when we don't abide in Christ. We're dying. 
We have this saying in our Disciple Maker program, if you don't know what that is, um, it's kind of like that Timothy initiative only here in America. There's a group of people that get together. We talk about and hold each other accountable of how we can evangelize and discipleship, do discipleship and fulfill the Great Commission. And honestly, it's one of the greatest joys of my entire week. I absolutely love it. In fact, we just had last week, Ashley, who is, and she's not here today. She is one of, she is actually our case manager for our adoption process who would never step foot in church. But Tyrone and I have been held accountable doing this disciple maker thing. We've been praying for her and we invited her to church and lo and behold, she came. She did think that it would get set on fire as we came, um, you know, or that she would get set on fire. But I'm just glad that she got to be here, that she got to hear a gospel message. But I think it's really easy easy to think abiding is to change our behavior, but it's not. Abiding is something that helps us enjoy and experience joy, right? And my behavior isn't, it's an indication of how much abiding I'm actually doing. So abiding, our behavior is not the goal of abiding, but it is the evidence of abiding. Just like a tree produces fruit, my life, my words, my actions produce fruit, and they show you who and what I'm connected to. Where am I getting my nutrients from? Who is the in charge of my life? And so we can definitely say that my flesh was in charge of my life at that moment. Um, and I forgot to mention this, but because of that discipleship program, we came up with this name. We came, we, you know, ride or die, and we say abide or die. Abide or die. It's on a sticker on my cup. Abide or die, right? Because when we're connected into the vine, we're connected into life-giving resources, life-giving sustenance. And when we're apart from it, we're, we're really dying. That's what that verse says. And it's such an interesting thing to think about because you think about how the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life was in the garden at the beginning. And Adam and Eve had a choice to eat from the tree of knowledge or the tree of life. And they chose the tree of knowledge. And then we see later Jesus becomes, he says, here I am, I'm the vine and the branch. And he dies on a cross, which is virtually a tree. And he becomes the living tree that now we can eat from to experience eternal life. But he takes it a step further and he says, don't just eat my fruit, graft into me. I just, I want to pump into you my life and my goodness. And it's crazy because we still have that choice today to eat from the fruit of knowledge of good and evil or to eat from the tree of life. And that's what we're talking about today is how we can abide. Because, right, we want to abide instead of die, Right? And by death, right, ultimately we're all going to die a, a physical death, but you don't have to die a spiritual death. Your soul doesn't have to shrink inside of you. And I'm telling you, if you've experienced anything like you experienced driving in the car, man, I'm sure some memories were popping in your mind about times that your soul was shriveling. You know what I'm talking about. But I want to talk a little bit about what abiding can produce for us because let's get to the bottom of line. What is the reason why it's important and why it's good? And we can see from John 15, we can see basically five things, right? We see that our labor produces something when we abide in Christ. How many of you like to work hard for nothing? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's one of my biggest frustrations. I feel like the Lord is working on me in this. I'm like, if I'm going to do something, it better matter. But have you ever worked your rear off and then you realized it really did nothing? It's like puke. It's like, no, 
<laughs> right? And, and Proverbs says, hope deferred makes, the, makes our hearts sick. But many of us are working and we're toiling and it's producing nothing because we are not abiding. And so your labor can produce something, your labor at work, your labor at home, your parenting, your marriage. I don't know, wherever you're doing work, it can produce something when you're abiding in Christ. The second thing is your prayers become powerful and effective. Have you ever thought, man, I don't think the Lord hears my prayers. I think he hears them, but they aren't as powerful as they could be because verse seven says, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. If you abide, then the Lord answers your prayers. They're effective. But also there's this thing called spiritual authority that God wants to give you through abiding. And spiritual authority allows you to plow through your circumstances and actually have victory. God wants to give you spiritual authority. And the two next ones are, he wants you to receive his love. Dude, he doesn't just want you to receive his love. In John 15, he says, I want you to abide in my love, to remain in my love, and to live there. Gosh, I don't know about you, but I want to swim in his love. Like, I want it to drench my life, my heart, my attitude. I need that love. And the last thing which we're talking to today, all I want for Christmas is joy. He says, you'll have my joy. And not only that, but it will be complete. Can you imagine having complete joy? What the heck does that feel like? I guarantee it doesn't feel like a new thing from Amazon on your doorstep. That's not complete joy. The kind of joy that's lacking guilt, condemnation, the kind of joy that doesn't end just because bad things happen. Complete joy. And the key to those things is abiding. Like I said, abide or die, remain in Him. It's kind of like, and this may be gruesome. I don't know why I think of this, but I'm like, man, if my limb gets cut off, that arm is really, it's not going to make it unless they sew it back on, you know? And why it's not going to make it is because blood's not pumping to it. It, it's not that, that, that the body says, I don't like the arm anymore and I'm not going to give it blood. But if the arm isn't attached to the body, it's not getting blood. So some of you feel like I'm dying because the Lord isn't seeing me. But I want to tell you, the Lord sees you and he's saying, hey, get grafted into my vine so I can pump my blood in you. But man, there's so many ways that we can talk about what abiding looks like. And maybe there are some religious things you've got in your mind right now, pictures, images, I don't know, that you think this is what abiding is. And I mean, my first picture of thinking of abiding is so dumb. I, I just think of someone being PC, crisscross applesauce on the ground, like just, um, and I'm like, I could never do that. First of all, I'm totally ADHD. Like, how do I get my mind focused? Or I think of somebody that reads scripture for hours and hours and hours, and, or someone that just listens to Christian music all day long and they don't do anything else. You know, I don't know what we consider abiding, but there are good examples of abiding in scripture. Clear, very clear. In fact, abiding is two things. It's obeying and it's being. Sorry, I said that backwards. So the first one is being with Jesus, right? And the second one is obeying Jesus, his word and his spirit. And Jesus is the ultimate example of abiding. Dude, that guy had it down. He's like, my food is to do the will of the Father. 
That was his big thing. He was like going to obey. But not only that, you look through scripture and Jesus got alone all the time. He went and was with the Father. In fact, I was reading the other day about in the Garden of Gethsemane, they were praying together. And then he was like, okay, that's not enough. So I'm going to go a stone's throw away from all of these people and just be with my Father. Jesus came away to just be with the Father all the time. Does this mean, though, that we have more knowledge of Scripture or even more knowledge of Jesus? I don't think so, because I think sometimes religion would say that we should know more about him, but knowing more about him doesn't equal being with him. And doing things for him doesn't equal obeying him. And we're going to look at that in... Matthew 7, 21 through 23, if you want to turn there in your Bible, I'm actually reading the CSB. So we're going to focus on what does it look like to just be with Jesus? And maybe that scares you. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do like a two-hour worship time at the church. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about hoops you need to jump through or ways you need to perform for Jesus. We're talking about just being. Right now, as you sit, you're just being. That's that's the form of, of abiding we're talking about. Matthew 7, 21 says this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. So what he's saying right here is it doesn't really matter that the person knew who Jesus was. What mattered is whether Jesus knew him or them or her. And so we're talking about a knowledge that is a deep intimacy. It's an access into who you are. So maybe you know all about who God is, but my question to you is, does he know who you are? Does he have access to your mind, your will, your emotions? Is there any door in your heart that is shut to him? Because he, he wants access. And that word to know refers to intimate personal knowledge in relationship. It actually points us back again to Adam and Eve and the oneness they experienced together in Genesis 2.25. It's being known by him is a deep surrendered connection is giving the Holy Spirit full access to every part of your heart, including those thoughts you don't want anybody to see. Does anybody have some of those thoughts? Oh, come on, y'all. You know you do. Some of you are having them right now, okay? I forgive you for not paying attention. Anyways, some of y'all are going on a shopping trip in your brain already planning out your Christmas, and I'm going to tell you right now, be here. Be here. Put that shopping trip on hold, okay? But really, abiding is this. It's giving Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, access to our most inner thoughts, our most private thoughts. He wants access to that. And that's really what it is. It's not about how much you know about God, but how much does he know about you? And yes, I get it. God knows all things, but how much do you allow him control of? Are you surrendering? And let's be real, this takes time. It takes a lot of time. And you're like, oh gosh, it takes time. I have no time. Who has time in here? If you have time, raise your hands. Yeah, all the teenagers. I'm like, this is the most time you'll ever have. 
Don't waste it on being bored. True that. that. This takes time. Really, so abide and remain are the same words in the Greek, but in the English, they're two different words. Abide means to wait in the English. To wait. Do we love waiting, people? How many of you in the doctor's office pull out this guy? Hmm? Because we'd rather be distracted than to wait. We'd rather be entertained than to wait. And I do not say that in pride. I'm telling you the other day, I forgot my phone in my mind. I was like, I could be working right now. But the Holy Spirit put a check in my heart. And he's like, or you could just have peace in your mind and your heart. Just breathe deep and rest. Learn to wait instead of being entertained or to fill that space. I have a picture for you. I want to show you. Did you get that picture, Ethan? Sorry. It's up on the screen. Isn't this a great date night? How many women already feel a little PTSD? Like, oh, I'm going to kill that guy on the phone. But I think men feel this too, right? We're like, oh, but my friend's texting me and on Instagram, isn't this little animal so cute? What is killed in this picture? Intimacy. Intimacy is killed in this picture because you can't give your attention to two things and have intimacy. It's not possible. And I'm just going to go the route of, guys, it's really hard. Like, it's hard on the person trying to give their attention to two different things. I don't know about you, but it wears me out. I get exhausted and tired. And even more than that, when I'm trying to give equal amounts of attention to two different things, I'm going to lose enjoyment in both of those things. I'm not going to enjoy them. And the second thing it does is it becomes an obligation and it loses its life-giving power. Date night's supposed to be a life-giving thing. Hanging out with your friend is supposed to be a life-giving thing. But when I'm multitasking, it sucks the life right out of it. Because what happens is I'm annoyed that my friend or my spouse is either interrupting my entertainment or my production. And then I totally kill that moment of enjoyment. And guys, we do the same thing with Jesus. Actually, we do the same thing to ourselves with Jesus. We totally sabotage ourselves because we think having a relationship with him is multitasking him. Now, don't get me wrong. Invite Jesus to be a part of your day. Make sure that you're being aware of God throughout the day. But if your only time spent with him is divided among the things you do, you're not getting intimacy with him. And he's not getting access to you either. The only way that we can allow that intimacy to take place is for us to stop to be with Jesus. Just stop. Allow there to be some silence. Now, I know silence is awkward. You know why it's awkward? Because we become aware of what's going on in our heart and our mind. Because the Holy Spirit then can make us aware and even say, let me heal that. Let me take care of that. Some of us are run ragged because we don't have space to breathe. We don't have space for quiet. And we're not dealing with those things that are derailing us. We're just like denial, denial, denial. I don't want to think about that. And God's like, you're going to have to, or you're going to be on the freeway and you're going to explode at someone, right? Where does that come from? Where does road rage come from? It doesn't come from the moment. It comes from pent up 
anxiety and fear that hasn't been let out in a safe place. Abiding is a safe place to just puke your guts out with Jesus. And you need it and I need it. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is not in the script. I'm just gonna say it. I don't think that I'd be okay without abiding. It's one of the first things that happened to me as a 15-year-old. If you don't know my story, I suffered great trauma and tragedy that caused me probably a great need to be medicated on Zoloft or Xanax. Thank God it was the 90s and I didn't have counseling or, or those things because what happened is I turned to Jesus and I started abiding in him. Guys, I should be a statistic Every day, all day, I should be a statistic, but abiding in Jesus has saved my life, literally saved me. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's not always pretty when I abide in Jesus. I'm just like, okay, Lord, I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. And he's like, it's okay, Amy. This is why. And he deals with me. And God has some good things for you. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, some people will say to me, Amy, I just don't have that kind of time. I'm not a 15-year-old like you did and had 30 minutes to spend with Jesus. And I think some of us would even say, I just don't have that kind of time to just stop and give Jesus attention. And we're going to do a little exercise right now. And this exercise is not to shame. I am going to do a magic trick right now. Did you know I can do magic tricks? (laughs) Pull your phone out for me. I'm going to give you some time back. Grab the set. No, I'm serious. Get your phone. This is an activity. Let's go, people. Grab your phone. Get into the settings of your phone and hit screen time. Look at that. I want you to take a minute. If you're online, do this. Look at your screen time. Did you know the average American spends five to six hours a day on this? I don't want to condemn you. That is not my job. I'm doing a magic trick. I'm giving you time. I'm giving you five hours back. You have time. What if instead of giving full five hours to this, you gave 10 minutes a day to abiding? And guys, I get it. This gives a dopamine hit like none other. It makes me feel in control. It actually makes me feel like a god. Like I control my world. Like I'm in charge. This is like my pocket little god, right? But when I put this away, and I abide in Jesus, I'm reminded he's in control. So instead of getting a dopamine hit that I have to keep going back for that's never enough, it's not complete, I could go and abide for 10 minutes with Jesus and get my cup filled up in such a way that I don't need this every day. So there's my magic trick. But I want to remind us, this phone is a tool. It can be used for good or for evil. But be aware how long you're spending on this. Because that video game, Instagram, I don't know what is your dopamine of hit of your choice on this thing, texting, control, I don't know. Um, but God has more for you than what's on this phone. He is more, but this is still a tool that can be used for good. And so you can, you can set this to do not disturb. Did you know that? You can set this and make sure that you have alone time that's uninterrupted with God. In fact, you can put reminders on your phone. I have two reminders on my phone, one at 1230 and one at 430. And I stop for five minutes. And you guys, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It is hard because choosing God's way over my way is not easy. And every time I stop, I go outside, I leave my phone behind, and I sit with God. And it has radically changed my life. 
radically changed my life. In fact, I'll never forget after that driving session, I was like, it's been three days since I've actually been faithful to do my twice a day, five minutes with God. And I was like, okay, evidence noted. (laughs) Evidence noted. It's just not worth it to live that way. And maybe you're still saying like, Amy, I have no time. I get it, but then you'll also have no time for joy, endurance, strength, power. I don't want to live like that, you guys, do you? Man, I've tasted the other side of what God has for me through abiding, and I want to live a life full of joy. So let's, I think we can learn from a couple of people who skipped abiding, um, and just like totally railroaded that. And that's in Acts 19, 11 through 20. Let's learn from this story. We're gonna start off with Paul. I might talk through some of this too. We're gonna start off with Paul. See, God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face cloths and aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Let's talk about abiding. Paul knew how to abide. And you can see the result of that. But these gentlemen did not. Are you ready? Now, some itinerant Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the name, by Jesus that Paul preaches. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who the heck are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. I want you to say prevailed. He prevailed against them so that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. When this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, they became afraid. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem. And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices. While many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. Skip to verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. They used God, but they didn't know God. They used God, but they didn't know God, and he didn't know them. And we can do the same thing unintentionally every day. God is not a tool to be used. He wants to have intimacy with you. And I want to say to you, if you're in the place of struggling with spiritual warfare or consistent, terrible circumstances coming your direction, first I want to say sorry. Because I get it. I have been there. It sucks when the car breaks and then your mortgage is up or, you know, I don't know. You you list the spiritual warfare you're facing. But I'm telling you right now that if you've been in that place repeatedly and you've been losing the battle, I've got good news for you today. There is a way to fight and there's a way to win You do not have to be a victim of your circumstances. And we're going to learn from what these men didn't do. Um, And it's more simple than you could ever imagine, right? It comes down to one thing, relationship. Relationship, intimacy. Whenever we try to utilize the power and authority of Jesus without having a deep relationship with him, we are setting ourselves up for failure. It's not that God fails, 
but that we are setting ourselves up for failure because we're trying to move and work out of a depth of intimacy that we don't have. And that happens in marriage all the time. When you haven't put the time in with your spouse and then you want to cash that check of of intimacy, yeah, it's, it's going to come up void. And that's the same thing that happens to us versus when we speak and act on truths that are rooted in our lives, we will have authority over every bit of spiritual warfare we face. And I love that word rooted, right? We're still talking about the tree of life and, and being rooted. It's, it's a powerful, powerful word. And we don't want to be, I don't know if you felt this way, you come up against spiritual battles and you feel like you're running out the house naked, bleeding and, and with a good old beating. I've been there. I, it feels terrible. But like I said, there are two things that can help us with that, being with Jesus and obeying Jesus. And we're going to switch into talking about obeying Jesus. But before that, I want to hit that word rooted. Because when we are being with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, that's how we become rooted in truth. I'm going to say it again. When we spend time with Jesus, it helps us become rooted in truth. When we obey Jesus, it's how truth becomes rooted in us. So, oh, there's two steps. You can't just be with Jesus and expect it to be osmosis. You have to obey him for the truth to become rooted inside of you, right? So John 15, um, we're going to go back to that. I am the vine, you are the branches. And I want to highlight verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. So remain in my love. And how do you remain in his love? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then he goes on to say, I've told you this, to, that you might have my joy and that your joy might be complete. And so we're talking about obedience. Let's be real. Obedience is not a popular world word within the American culture. We don't like that word. Submission, not a popular word. But obedience is a way to experience freedom. It's a way to take hold of the promises of God. And obeying, it really does start with being with Jesus, right? You got to start by being with Jesus. It's born from a loving union with the spirit of Jesus that produces a desire to obey. You know your level of love for Jesus based off your desire to obey. I don't say that as condemnation. It is simply an indicator. We don't look at the gas gauge on our car and think, you're condemning me, telling me I have no gas. Okay, no, 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 no. Your desire to obey is simply an indicator of your love of Jesus. Use it as an indicator, make changes accordingly. So, right, I pull over, I fill up the gas tank. Maybe we should do a lot more pulling over and filling up the gas tank. Okay, that was free. That was not even in my notes. But then, it goes on and says, if you keep, oh wait, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm messing up there. But side note on obedience, right? There's behavior modification and then there's obedience. Do you want to know the difference? Okay. Be- behavior modification is trying to be good enough for God and for others. It's religion and it's earning. And there is no place for that within the gospel. Okay. Obeying is how to access what God has already given you 
It's a way to access what God has already given you. And how do we obey? We obey by choosing his way over our way, by choosing his word over our word, by choosing his spirit over our spirit. We're not just obeying the word. We're also going to obey the Holy Spirit because as we spend time with him, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. And he's going to tell us strategies for our life specifically how to apply the word to our life specifically. You know, obeying is this. It's trusting and believing that what God says about you and to you is true, which is amazing because I think some of us Christians, as we tell people all about the gospel and how to trust God, but our actions don't say we trust God. Obeying says, I trust God, even if it doesn't make sense. I was just reading in Philemon, and this is free for you too where Paul is commanding Philemon to take in a slave that ran away. And he says, I could command you to do what's right, but instead I appeal to you on the basis of love. And I would say that this morning. I can command you to do what's right. Instead, I appeal to you, church, to rise in your love for Jesus I appeal to you to abide and to obey, right? And here's a few commands. Let's be real too. When we read some of the commands of Jesus, dude, they are not popular. Are you ready? But they're good. They're good, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a command of Jesus. Um, Wait for, there's another one in Acts, wait for the promised Holy Spirit and you will receive power. Yes, he said that to those in Acts, but it's for all believers, for this gift is for you and your children's children and your children's children. So he commands us to wait for the Holy Spirit so we can receive power. And there's another one called the Great Commission, which some people say is the great omission of the church, which is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Guys, That command is not just for pastors. It's for every believer. It's not for those with the gift of evangelism. It is a command for every believer to go and make disciples. And then there's another one that we're really struggling with in the middle of COVID or after COVID, which is don't forsake meeting together. Don't forsake meeting together. You need church and we need you. You need community and accountability. And if you're online, I want to say I'm so glad that you're joining us, but you need community. Man, I get it if you're an invalid or you're shut in or you can't get here, but man, it's good to get the message, but you need community. We need to interact with each other so that the word of the Lord can flourish and prevail in our lives. We saw that the word of the Lord, Jesus' name, did not flourish and prevail when people who didn't know him used it. It didn't. But when people came confessing their practices and repenting, the word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. That is a powerful concept. We want to have joy in us. But in order to do that, we got to obey. This is a tough word, but it's a good word. And I dare you, man, once you start obeying, it will change your life. And when I was 15, guys, I was stupid. I needed Jesus to be like, that's a bad idea. You need to not do that. And I'm just so glad that step by step, he helped me because I look back and I think somebody could say that's religious or that's controlling. But you guys, if I did not obey, I would not have the husband that I have right now. I would not have the children I have right now. I would not. Obedience actually gave to me. 
It didn't take from me. It gave to me. And so these believers, they come, and it says that they're believers. These believers come, and they start disclosing their practices. And what are their practices? Witchcraft. And maybe you're like, oh, I don't do witchcraft. I don't do no Ouija board. That Harry Potter, I already got rid of that. That ain't in my house. But you know what? We do witchcraft every day that we choose to rebel against God. Witchcraft is rebellion. And I think sometimes the Lord would say, hey, you, it's okay for you to watch Harry Potter, but what I really want you to do is spend time with me. Don't be so caught up pointing the finger at Disney that you can't examine your own life and the witchcraft in your own life. And so they come and they start repenting of their rebellion, which is choosing their way over God's way. And where do we most often choose our way over God's way? T-I-M-E. Because it's mine. It's my time, right? We plan and lay out our day, and then we try to fit God somewhere in that, like a last-minute dinner guest. What if we started with God first? What if he empowered us? And, we're con- and what if we stopped considering the commands of Jesus as optional? Maybe we'd experience a lot more joy. Do you want the word of the Lord to flourish and prevail in your life, in your family, in your mind, in your singleness, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your parenting? Oh, Lord Jesus, let the word of the Lord flourish in my parenting. I'm sorry, that was for me, (laughs) right? How about in your driving? How about in my driving? You're like, amen, Amy needs to learn to drive. But the word of the Lord can flourish and prevail in that, and that takes us repenting. And by repenting, I don't mean us getting on the floor and being like, God, I'm so sorry, I totally suck. I mean us saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to make room for God's ways by getting rid of some of my ways. And I love what the believers did, right? They repented and they're confessing of their practices. What are some of your practices that you need to start setting aside? What are some of my practices that I need to start setting aside? Certainly, I need to stop honking and yelling at people. That could be a start, right? But maybe planning your day, you need to stop planning your day apart from him. Maybe we need to stop self-medicating with screens and get into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Maybe we need to stop obeying only when it's convenient for us. Like, let's make some trades here. Maybe instead of uh, choosing other things over godly community, we need to put godly community first, right? And I'm just going to say it because we all feel it. Let's talk about flaky church attendance. Maybe going to church needs to be number one over shopping. Because the new God in America is consumerism and shopping, And we'll choose to go shopping over spend time with Jesus. And I I want to tell you, you need church. I need church. I thank God for you guys every day. I need accountability. I need encouragement. I need correction at times. And you guys bring that. I mean, Liz is awesome. You know, she asked me, we're sitting in a group, and she's like, hey, you're getting ready to adopt a nine-year-old girl. What are you doing to make sure that you can sustain your relationship with Jesus? Best question I've had all year. That's why we need each other. She wasn't condemning me. She was loving me. 
We need that kind of community. And it's great to be online, but dude, get here. Get in person as much as you can. Because, and maybe what you need to stop doing is living in worry and anxiety and start living in trust. Because I think God wants us to trade our anxiety for abiding. What a darn good trade that is. Yes, Jesus, I will give you this nasty bit of worry and anxiety, and I'll take abiding over that. It's a trade that we make to be with him and to obey him. And if I'm getting real serious, one of the things that happened for us on sabbatical is I thought, this is the perfect time for me to start making this a priority. And I started making it a priority, and that was the the scripture that I really memorized was, the word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. And I really feel like this is a word not just for you, it's a word for me. Because God was kept telling me, you're doing things in my name, but you're not doing my will. And so every time I stop, I hear those words, I choose your way over my way. And I want the word of the Lord to flourish and prevail in my life. And I am telling you, every time I make that choice, it's good for me. It's so good for me. And I'm just going to give you practical as I invite Kayla up. She's going to share a short testimony as we bring this to a close. A practical way and what I do when I be with Jesus. So I do read my Bible every day. I don't skip that. But And I do intercede every day. But I find that being with Jesus without doing is what I need the most. And so maybe you do too. So twice a day, I spend two to five minutes of silence and solitude. I go out to my pool, and I told you, I'm like ADHD. I'm totally like off the wall. I go out, I sit by my pool, and I stare at the water. And I say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. You have access to me. And I let him do whatever he wants. And it is super miraculous There are times when he's like, you know that hurt you feel? I'm going to wipe it away. And I've seen even visions where he's like, you know those words that that person said over you? Yeah, I'm plucking it out of your head right now. I've had God wash over me and speak to me in such incredible ways that he reminds me, my value is not what I do on this stage, but it is in the fact that I'm his daughter. And I need that reminder And I think you do too. So silence is this, quieting every inner and outer voice to be attentive to God and to allow the Holy Spirit access into your heart, mind, and soul. Um, And solitude is being alone without distractions. I know that you've got 10 minutes because we saw it on your phone, but what if you gave God twice a day? What if you started with just once a day for two to five minutes and you said, you have access? I dare you to try this because it becomes addicting. It's life-giving. So Kayla, come on up. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a prayer time every Sunday morning um, at 9.45. Am I getting that time right, Tyrone? We have a prayer time at 9.45. And Kayla was at this prayer time for the first time. And God was really speaking to you for the very first time. And she starts texting me. She's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, you've got to share that. So Kayla, tell us what God was doing. Do you mind if I keep holding the mic? I'm sorry. Tell us what God was doing in you as you decided to give him some time that morning. So last Sunday, I was here at prayer time and I was kind of just listening to everybody praying on my own, but Amy really urged us to speak out what you're praying. And so I kind of took that leap of faith and I got this idea through kind of like a, like 
God was leading me through this succession of ideas that I would never come up to, to came to the words of the Christ generation. And as I was just kind of talking, it kind of just, I didn't know what I was going to say. It just kind of all came out because, you know, a lot of our youth and children were so focused on the pleasures, the screen times, you know, when am I going to get that next like on TikTok? And that's not what we're here for. We're here to spread Christ. And so one of those things was let's start working on our children and our youth to make them spread Christ rather than spread the beliefs of these pleasures that they're constantly around. And specifically, you said, as she was praying, I, I, it hit my spirit. You know when it's a word from God, the way it hits your spirit. And she had said, Lord, I declare this generation to be a Christ generation. And it was like, we knew instantly. I was like, I had to open my eyes. I was like, she just prayed for the first time and she just prophesied. I was like, whoa. Um, but it was crazy because you texted me and you're like, I can't get this out of my mind. And what I think is so crazy is you you basically said, you know, what did you think about hearing God's voice? You had texted me this. I want to hear it in your words. Well, for me, hearing God, I always thought it's important people. So your pastors or people who have a large following, it's not for regular people like you and I. They're, I can't do any work. I don't, you know, my community is small. So how can I spread that to be such a big thing? There's no way God's going to use me. But how do you feel now that he did speak to you? Is it for regular people? Yeah, it's for anybody. I mean, it's it was just such a complete shock. And I'm like... I can't get this out of my head. This is something I need to act on. And I don't know how. So now I'm looking for guidance and I'm going to give it to the Lord. But it was just completely like just cut, washed over me. And it's something that I think about every single day. I have a note on my and I just take some time every day and I try to think about it and just pray with God, pray over my Bible and just have him give me what I need to learn. Amen. I just, you guys... The prophetic is alive and active, and it's not just for professional pastors. Give Kayla a hand. It's not just for prophetic It's not just for pastors. And maybe you think that God's not going to speak to you. He is. And what I love that she said is, she's like, he just spoke to me so logically. It was like a logical thought process, but I knew that it wasn't me. And God wants to speak to you that way. He wants to speak to you about your family. And he wants to speak to you about your friends. And you know what? Not just that. He wants to speak to you about the people you live with, you work with, you play with. Because he wants you to fulfill the Great Commission. Because he knows Tyrone and I can't fulfill the Great Commission by ourselves. You guys, some of that joy that's made complete is when we do the will of the Father. I am telling you, that is joyful. You'll never experience the feeling of love and approval until you act on that obedience. There's something powerful that roots that love and approval in you when you obey. And it's like, it's not obedience because you're trying to please him. It's obedience because you love him. And you, you are like one with, there's a oneness that happens when you obey. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.